Hello, welcome to episode 63 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Patreon supporters, thank you, who have recently named themselves the Rampian Crew as of, I think, yesterday. So I guess I should say thank you, Rampian Crew. Today's special guest is Marissa Meyer. That's me. (laughs) It's a weird sentence to say out loud. Hello, so how are you? Hi. <laughs> so how are you doing? You I am hunger? great. I have no complaints. Good. How's the happy writer going? I should ask that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, you know, we've, I just had my 25th, no, 26th episode, I think, went, went published this morning. Um, and it's been great. It's been a lot of work. You know, it's, it take, definitely takes up a lot of time. But I think it was the perfect time to do it with, obviously, you know, shelter in place and the quote COVID and all that happening. And I know even early on, I just was feeling kind of very disconnected and like, okay, all of my tour events have been canceled. A bunch of my um, going to different conferences and festivals were all canceled. And I always really look forward to those largely because I love to talk to other writers and I find that very kind of inspiring and it kind of creatively re-energizes me to talk to writers. And so doing the podcast has very much kind of filled that, that place in my life since I can't actually go and see them in person. So it's been wonderful. I've met so many, virtually met so many authors that I hadn't <laughs> before uh, and read so many books that I may not otherwise have read or known about. So it's just been really wonderful. I've really been enjoying it. I think it's great too, because so many authors rely on book tours and press conferences and festivals to spread the word about their books. And then with COVID, they don't get that opportunity. And even little like local bookshops and indie bookshops, like the one I work at, don't get the opportunity to do those like small book signings and, you know, window displays and things like that. And I've got a couple on my shelf from your podcast that I bought, Check Please and the Care of All series, which I'm hoping to start. Um, I have a school break for 13 days next week, so I'm hoping to read the whole series in the those 13 days. I'm really excited about them. Oh, that's awesome. I think you will love them. I've had a lot of people tell me to read them, so I'm really excited slash really nervous. <laughs> okay, okay, you will dig it. Um, and I love hearing that the podcast inspired you to pick up some new books. That makes me really happy. And I know I've been seeing tweets and things, uh, from listeners who have picked up books that they hadn't heard about or authors they hadn't heard about before. So that, that makes you feel really glad. Um, and that, like you say, it is, it's been a struggle for so many authors trying to figure out we have books coming out and I'm trying to launch this book, but so many of my normal promo outlets just aren't available. And so I know a lot of people were trying to figure out how do I get the word out? And so I'm really happy that I've been able to um, kind of help, help spread the word about some really cool books and authors. I like it too. I think everyone who listens gets the opportunity to learn a little bit more about you and other writers, and then they get the chance to find new books to add to that hopefully never ending TBR pile. Yeah, the never-ending TBR pile. I know. I know. Mine has grown in leaps and bounds this year. I originally, I used to read probably like 40 to 50 books a year, but 
with grad school and working on my bachelor's degree and the podcast and work, it's like I never had time to read. And so I made it a point this last semester of like, okay, I don't care if it's one book or a week or one book every other week. Like I'm just going to try really hard to read as much as possible, which is partly why I've started getting into audiobooks more mm-hmm. so that I can sort of listen while I'm like grocery shopping and stuff. I love audiobooks. I read probably twice as much as I could otherwise. Because exactly, you can read to it while you're driving around or while you're doing housework and all of these other quote-unquote wasted time. (laughs) (laughs) And Rebecca Solaire does the uh, voice narration for all of your books, and I really enjoy listening to her versions. Uh, I will say she taught me Ico wrong. Uh, And when I... (laughs) When I first said that word aloud, someone was like, oh, it's eco. And I was like, no, no, on the audiobooks. And she was like, no, it's eco. I was like, oh, it's been like four years. I don't know if I can change it now. That's funny. No, I've gotten to a point where I will accept both, you know, <laughs> canon in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Lots of confusion over eco slash eco. That is fabulous. I, I love she her. Does. I think she's done such a good job. She does. And she's a really nice person. I've talked to her a few times on Instagram. The other one, which listeners like to tease me about, is Jason. I, reading the books, thought it was Justin. You know, like a French thing or something? Like (laughs) Justin. So I always read it that way. And then the first time I listened to the audiobooks, I was like, who is Jason? No, and I was just trying to be clever. I felt like spelling it the traditional J-A-S-O-N, like, didn't seem futuristic enough. <laughs> I'm going to make this cool futuristic spelling. And then, of course, you end up with everyone like, but how, what, what is this name? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it, though. That's what's fun about, like, books and TV shows that are set in different worlds is you get to come up with really fun names that, aren't necessarily typical in our own society. Yeah, it can be fun. Naming, I have a love-hate relationship with naming characters. Uh, Sometimes you just land on the perfect name and it feels right and it feels like them and it's a great moment. And then there are characters where I will go through a dozen different names, like (laughs) names. I'll try this name for a couple chapters and that still doesn't feel right. And then I'll spend hours on some baby naming website and like, okay, well, let's try this one. And ah, it still doesn't feel right. And some of them will just drive me bonkers. I believe that I, our, our oldest dog scamp, <laughs> we, he's a brindle and we originally were trying to come up with a name that fit his coloring. Cause he's such a unique color. And we spent the whole first day with him and I kept saying, Oh, you're such a little scamp. And my husband was like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, it's like a troublemaker. And he was like, well, that's his name. And I was like, we're going to name our dog troublemaker. And he was like, yeah. It's like, no, but it's stuck. And now that's his name. I think it could be fitting. <laughs> I don't know your dog personally, but I oh, feel like I could to it. a dog. <laughs> yeah, he lives up to it every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the youngest is named Beowulf. And he was nine months old when we got him. So we couldn't, we didn't feel it was right to change his name. Uh, but he is not a Beowulf at all. <laughs> I would have named him Dopey, and my husband said he would have named him Eeyore. So oh, funny. <laughs> oftentimes we just shorten his name to Bay now. We don't even call him Beowulf. <laughs> you have to earn this name. <laughs> well, it's difficult to pick names that fit uh, 
personalities, you yeah, know, like, so. I always growing up hated the name Bethany because I thought it was like an old lady name. But I read books and crochet and want to be a librarian. So it turns out my mom knew <laughs> like what was going to happen later. She had this serendipitous opinion when she was creating my name. Oh, that's funny. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Bethany, you just felt like you had to live up to that. Make it work for you. <laughs> I hope I have. I just always thought it was so boring and all these people I knew had such, like, my mom's name is Desiree, which I always thought was so unique and so cool, and um, my sisters all have really boring names, too, but, like, my husband's name is Quentin Marcel, and it's like, oh, what a cool name. And oh, that is a cool name. I got the cool last name, I think. Did good on that one. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, um, so I have five-year-old twins, um, and they were adopted through foster care. So when we first got them, of course, they had their names that their birth parents had given them. Um, and they were just babies. They were only a couple months old then. And we ended up adopting them right when they were about one year old. Um, and we decided to take their, their given names as middle names, but then we wanted to give them new first names that we came up with. Um, and by that point they were a year old. And so we really felt like we had an idea of their personalities and could like take that into consideration. And I felt really lucky about that. Like parents don't usually get that. You just, you have a baby. It needs a name. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so wonderful that you got to do that. And I love that you kept their birth names and their middle names. And I know adoption is something very close to me because I was adopted, but I know I have several listeners who messaged me before about adoption and how wonderful it can be and how scary it can be. And so everyone listening gets to know that there are lots of benefits to adoption. No, I mean, obviously we are huge advocates for it. I I think it's it's not for everyone and I totally get that, but it was so right for us. Um, And I think people who are considering it definitely, you know, do your research and learn about it because it's a great option and we're very happy. People always say like they don't want to wait till they're ready because you're never ready, but I would like to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think that you're never like 100% ready, but there's a point when you, I don't know, at least for us, we felt like, okay, it's time. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you do, you, you know, you know when you're ready. We're um, getting to the age where people are like, seriously, you need to have kids. But I was like, at least that. let me finish the master's the degree. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. You have a full schedule. You've been busy. It's not like you haven't been <laughs> my, my parents are pretty understanding. My bonus mom really wants that that baby, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I know mm-hmm. the, the parents wanting to become grandparents. It's a, <laughs> it's a factor. It is a factor. Luckily, my, my birth mom, she's really chill. She's like, no, 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 I'm not old enough to be a grandma. It's it's fine. Take your time. And I'm like, okay, good. Because um, she was only like 18 when she had me. So she's not a very old person. So to her, grandma is like this big, scary word. <laughs> my, my husband's stepmom um, had her son when she was 16. He had his daughter when he was 16. Uh, so she was a grandma at 32 years old. Oh, so young. Mind-boggling to me. And it's yeah. crazy to think about that, too, because I think about that age, and I'm like, oh, I'm so not ready for anything at that no, age. Like, I know. <laughs> Gosh, I barely felt ready. What? So I would have been 30, 31 when we got the girls. And even at that age, I was like, what do we do with these children? <laughs> how, do we, how does this 
work? I don't understand. <laughs> I always think that when I, like my sisters are 25 and 24 and Lindsay has been with her boyfriend for like eight years, nine years, something like that. And they started talking about marriage and I'm like, aren't you too young to get married? And she's like, weren't you 22 when you guys got engaged? And I was like, oh wait, I was like, huh, that was really young to get married. <laughs> I know it does. You do looking back and you forget how young you were and yeah I met my husband when I was 22 and to look back at it now it's like we were just babies <laughs> I like to placate it I'm like no no we've known each other since high school so it's okay <laughs> he was a senior when I was a freshman so we knew each other even when we were younger but looking back it's like man really 22 is like super young age to get engaged yeah no that is funny and funny interesting how cultural it is too and obviously it's changed and changed very quickly you know how our grandparents wouldn't have bad an eye at getting married at 22 and no my changed. grandparents uh my my grandparents had an arranged marriage and my grandmother was 16 and my grandfather was 21 oh young i know and we're often talking about that on the podcast with the books because I'm, I get frustrated with the characters sometimes. Like, man, they need a better sense of self-preservation, but they're also 16, so it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. As a writer, I feel like I'm constantly trying to balance, you know, we're writing young characters, teenage age characters, and wanting to be authentic and realistic about where they are developmentally and you know, what their feelings are going through and emotionally and all of this, but also like wanting to respect that they, they have dreams and goals and are capable of making decisions. And I, I think it is totally possible to fall in love at 16 and have it be real true love. And so, you know, just trying to kind of walk this line. It's a if thing. nothing yeah. else, from personal experience, falling in love at 16, it definitely feels like real true love, even if it doesn't pan <laughs> out that way. Like your first love always feels like, well, obviously there's never going to be anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're actually going to talk about TLC, I promise. <laughs> first, we're going to do your first ever Fan Art Friday, and I chose three, which hopefully you like all of them. Love all fan art. <laughs> This is my favorite thing I started doing on the podcast is, is participating in Fan Art Friday. And I get some truly incredible fan art sent to me, including my logo, which was designed by Angela Wong on Instagram. It makes me feel a little bit more part of the fandom when I get to participate in stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I love seeing fan art. I also do Fan Art Friday on my Instagram. But it's interesting because obviously there's so much fan art on the internet. Um, but I also get a lot of people bringing, uh, you know, the actual physical art to me at events. And so I, over the years, I ended up with a humongous stack of paintings and drawings from over the years and was kind of like, what do I do with all of this stuff? And so, um, was kind of like, I, you know, I'll take pictures of it and share it online. And so I know some of it has been shared online, but I, I think a lot of the stuff that I'm posting also, um, is brand new to people because it was just stuff that was drawn and then given to me and not things that necessarily were, were posted on someone's uh, account already. So that's been really cool. And I love it. I love seeing the fan art. I love receiving it. It makes me really, really happy. That would make a wonderful like collage scrapbook type thing. If you ever have the time to, to do something like that. <laughs> it would be really big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope that Instagram is going to be around forever because it's kind of my like, 
online cloud where I save things. I'm like, as long as it's on Instagram, it's safe, right? It'll never get <laughs> I like Instagram for the socializing part too. I, I really feel a part of the fandom on Instagram. It's really great. Um, and you seem to be a very natural marketer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Uh, and and I, I really admire that you are out there telling people about it and getting advice and doing surveys. And like you have the Patreon, you came to the event, you had swag. I mean, I you're <laughs> doing it, which I think is very cool. Very ambitious. That event was you get like statistics and stuff online, but I had no idea how many people knew about the podcast. I think I met like 30 people that day who were listeners of the podcast. That is incredible and so cool. And I also find it hysterical that of all the people that you met, I had no idea. <laughs> was my podcast. It was Why totally new for me. <laughs> it's something I think every podcaster would dream of, you know, getting to be with that person that their their podcast is based off of their inspiration. But I also think it's something people never expect to happen, myself included. So it's just like, how would you even get that that word out, you know, to tell people about it? And that's when when I found out about all the different book festivals, I was like, oh, that'd be a great place to go and, you know, try to talk to people and network the podcast. And then I got a message from someone in Texas and she was her name's Ruth. She's been on the podcast now as one of my guests. And she was like, you know, Marissa's going to be there. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I was like, is it totally unprofessional if I like get a book signed and give her a card and a t-shirt and stuff. And she's like, I don't think so. Well, I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. No, no, I don't think it's unprofessional at all. In fact, I would be very sad if I had later <laughs> found out and that you hadn't come and told me about it. Yeah. And see, that stuff makes me sad because it'd be so much fun to do more of those events. And COVID is, it's really hard on people, you know, and that's why I think podcasts are great. It's just, some, it's one other thing to feel like you're a part of a community. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's one way for us to stay connected, which uh, we can use as much of that right now as we can get. Yeah, absolutely. So let's stay even more connected because I'm already off topic, which my listeners are used to. <laughs> so our first fan art is of the Predator, a.k.a. Queen Lavana. All I'm picturing is the Predator from like the actual sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. No, Lovato would not like to be connected no, with that. that. <laughs> Her worst nightmare. Um. But this is a, a beautiful image of her. I love the sassy facial expression, especially. And I love that she has a wedding ring on and all this like beautiful jewelry that's very like over the top, which is so Lavana. No, it's gorgeous. I also love the jewelry. Sassy was the first thought that came to my mind. Um, but the jewelry, it's like just shy of gaudy, which <laughs> is so so Lavana, like that could be her slogan, just shy of gaudy. Um, <laughs> no, and I love these lips. Look at these lips that she's got and the dimples. So great. Her bracelet matches her headdress. Mm -hmm. They both have a little crescent moon charm. Her crown kind of reminds me of the one in the Disney version of The Little Mermaid, just because of the way it's slanted and it's all spiky. Uh, she does have a veil, even though it's not covering her face. I like that detail a lot that they included yeah. the veil. And I think it's really clever the way that they have it attached to the crown and going behind her hair. It's beautiful. Yes. So it could come up and cover her if she wanted it to. 
And if not, it's just decorative. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there's an actress. I'm getting a, what's her name? Rachel Adams, I think? Yeah, uh, Adams, Regina George. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. Mcadams. Yeah. Yeah, I get a very Rachel McAdams vibe from her. I think in it's this the expression. face shape. Yeah, maybe so. And I think yeah. the dimples, too. Um, and I love that because Rachel McAdams, I think, is, like, one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. So, it's like, it's very fitting. It is very fitting. I would love to have her play. I would love to have her play uh, Lavana with the Regina George attitude that she has. I think she would be just perfect at it. Yeah, I'd never thought of it, but she's a good one. <laughs> so, big thank you to Doodling Asparagus for sharing that with us. And remember, you can check Doodling Asparagus' Instagram for more great fan art. Our next one is from Art by Aviva on Instagram, who's also a Patreon member. So big thank you for her letting me share this. And it's of Cinder and Kai dancing at the ball. Oh, Cinder and Kai. <laughs> <laughs> and her hair is messy and she's covered in grease and I love it so much. <laughs> no, my, I adore the detailing on Kai's jacket here. This little thread work. Those, those tiny little details, I just always am so impressed by. <laughs> like, who would think of that? And it makes it so realistic. And I love the shadowing, too, a little, mm -hmm. and the artwork. You can tell the the movement that they're doing. You can tell by the crease in his leg that his leg is bent, and he's about to hopefully yeah. twirl her around. And... <laughs> There's movement. <laughs> and the dress has a little bit of a sparkle to it, which is like in perfect contrast to the grease stain. <laughs> and I love the background. Purple is my favorite color. So I love the like purple haze that's kind of glowing around them. Mm -hmm. It's really small, but I love their facial expressions. Kai looks kind of whimsical and happy and Cinder looks so determined. <laughs> exactly. No, I know. It feels like I would, it'd be interesting to go read this chapter because I have a feeling like there's a very specific moment where Kai has no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, no, no, no. We have other things going on right now. <laughs> the world's about to end. <laughs> Perspective, Kai. Uh, <laughs> so big thank you to Art by Aviva for sharing that with us. And you can check out more of her art on Instagram as well. And our last one is from Cosmic Nova Flair, who listeners may remember, let me share six of her artworks last week because she has been creating so many of them. Oh uh, this week is Scarlet looking amazing, of course. Uh, I love that her hair is like wavy curly. She's got her freckles. I know. She is so beautiful. Her hair is like fire. You see it? It's like flames around her. And I don't know if that was intentional that the artist was thinking that, but that was the first thing that struck me. And I love it because, of course, Scarlet, super fiery personality. Like she says, like the name, very clever. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the inclusion of vegetables in the bottom, like this little yeah. wreath around of vegetables around her uh, picture, because that just suits her so well. Yeah, no, it makes it feel like a very high art portrait. Yes, I like that a lot. So another thank you to Cosmic Nova Flair. And you can check out more of her artwork as well on Instagram. And then the crux of this episode is actually going to be Easter eggs, which I'm kind of excited about because I'm curious how many of them are me paying way too much attention uh, and how many of them are intentional. Yeah, no, I am curious as well. It'll be interesting. Um, 
You said there was like 150, is that right? 151 in Scarlet, and I believe okay. I believe Cinder had 177. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I it, <laughs> honestly, so Scarlet, so I would have been writing that, it had been close to 10 years ago now. Um, so there's a good chance that I'm not even going to remember like half of what you're telling me. Like, did I write that? Sure. Okay. Uh, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Just, I can try to be as affirmative as possible. Yes. I totally intended that to be. A <laughs> no, probably just coincidence. <laughs> well, we will find out a lot of it. I know Patreon members are like, is that really an Easter egg? And I'm like, well, maybe it's just cause I'm looking forward to when that character comes back or something. Uh, <laughs> right. It is funny. So, um, cause you know, when you're like in his, in high school or college and studying, literature and you have these long deep drawn out conversations about <laughs> all of the symbolism and the things that the writer clearly intended this to mean and it goes deeper than what's on the surface and blah 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 and after this series started coming out there were a number of times where someone uh would use the books as part of a, a book project or a dissertation or they would write a thesis about it and a lot of the things that they would tell me, like, I just think it's so brilliant that you did X, Y, Z. And <laughs> as the writer, I'm kind of like, um, not what I had in mind, but cool. I'm not, I'm not out of it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and that's a lot of what the podcast is, is just us going chapter by chapter and like, I wonder if she meant it this way or no, it's probably not intentional to be that. Right. And it's like, I don't know, maybe it's this and, uh, <laughs> And it's funny because in high school, when you have to like sit there and dissect the hatchet, you're like, oh, this is horrible. But then as an adult, I'm like, wouldn't it be fun to do that on a podcast? <laughs> it is different when you get to choose the book yourself, I think. Yeah. 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 For me, it was um, The Pearl by, oh gosh, what's the author's name? Uh, Steinberg. Steinberg? Is that right? Uh, I don't know uh, that one. I didn't have to read it. No, it was miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Like was truly in tears having to do reading assignments because I was just so miserable reading this book. I had to read The Hobbit. (laughs) Yeah, I did love The Hobbit. I read it in fifth grade and loved it. But I can also see that it is not for everybody. I read a lot of Meg Cabot in high school and it's a very different vibe. And so... Going from, like, the Princess Diaries to the Hobbit, it's like, this is really complicated. (laughs) So some of these Easter eggs have spoilers on them, so I will skip them because the podcast is spoiler-free. But remember, if you want to join Patreon, it's a dollar, and all of these Easter eggs are listed on there. And the ones from Cinder. So the first one is from page one of Scarlet, and it's (laughs) Wolf is sitting in Emily's section. And he's there because he's actually spying on Scarlet, not because he has a crush on Emily like she thinks. Oh, yeah. That's just like the fact of the plot. (laughs) And that's what most of these are. It's just little teeny tiny hints (laughs) that I paid way too much attention to. (laughs) I see. Okay. No, okay. Now I understand how there can be 150 of them. Yes. (laughs) So page 14 in chapter two, Wolf's insatiable hunger is actually the result of his wolf genetic modifications. (laughs) Right. He's a growing boy. (laughs) And a love story began. 
Yes. <laughs> Page 18, Roland says that Crazy runs in Scarlet's family, and later we find out that her grandfather actually died from growing crazy because he could not use his lunar gift. Uh, that's a cool one. Totally unintentional. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm excited to find out which ones are intentional and which ones is just me paying really close attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, I wish that I had planned that one. Cause that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next one is really obvious once you've read the books, but it's our first glimpse at Wolf's tattoo, which later he says is from the gang, but it's actually his mark as being one of Lavana's special operative soldiers. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a heck of a time trying to come up with, letters that I could use for lunar special operative, but also like connect to a wolf themed street gang. It was real. it was not easy to do. No, it doesn't sound like it would be easy to do. I think you did a good job of it. Yeah. Yeah. What was the gang called? Yeah. Loyal soldier to the order of the pack. That sounds correct. Like lupine as in wolf. <gasps> Remember trying to make that work and just couldn't get that to work. I like lupine. Yeah, but soldier yeah. to the order. I think it was loyal soldier to the order of the past. I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in chapter three, page twenty nine, he says uh, Scarlet and Wolf are talking about leaving, and she says that she wants to go to Paris to look for her grandmother. And eventually, Wolf is the one who accompanies her to Paris to look for her grandmother. Um. Yeah. So what's the? <laughs> what's... See, this is where people are like, "That's not really an Easter egg," and I'm like, "It could be." Well, that's just showing character motivation. A character has to want something in order for the story to move forward. So you're learning what Scarlet wants. She wants to go to Paris. Yes, because that's where her grandmother is, we think. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, obviously a lot of times as a writer, the characters only have so much information. Um, mm -hmm. And as a writer, you're choosing what to withhold from the characters, uh, which often means that you're also withholding it from the readers. The first mention of Logan Tanner is on page 47. We later learn out that he is Scarlett's grandfather, and we later learn that he is the man who rescued baby Celine. Yeah, yeah. So I did know that when, when he got mentioned. I, I had that part <laughs> of the story figured out to some degree. <laughs> I... I can't imagine you trying to do this whole podcast without ever spoiling anything. That sounds impossible to me. <laughs> well, Patreon members get bonus episodes, so they are well aware of what spoilers are because they all go in my bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> One of my frequent guests, Ruth, has now been labeled the spoiler queen because every episode she's in, she'll accidentally give a spoiler. And I'm like, no, no, that's a spoiler. And she's like, how is that? a? Oh, man, that's a spoiler. And I'm like... <laughs> I got to I have to cut it out and put it in bloopers now. <laughs> so in chapter eight, Wolf says he doesn't know anything about Grandma Benoit or why she would have been taken or even where they would have taken her. But he knows everything. <laughs> he lies. He's lying. <laughs> um. The cameras mentioned in the warehouse, that footage will eventually come up later and be revealed so that they know not only that it was, in fact, Cinder in the warehouse stealing the ship, but who is with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I honestly, I couldn't tell you if 
I put those cameras in there the first time I wrote the scene or if then later as I'm writing the book, I realize, oh, I need to have film footage or some way for, you know, Kai and the, the military to know this information. I'd better go back and put cameras in. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been either or. <laughs> Page 96, Cinder says they need to get a chip to fix the ship. And eventually that chip will be Aiko, which is how she comes back. Yay! And we all celebrate. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was so fun. It wasn't originally planned um, originally. And I think you and I may have talked about this when we did our, our Q&A before. But Ika was going to be disassembled at the end of Cinder. And that was going to be the end of her story. You were never going to hear from her again. Uh, and my editor was the one who convinced me that that was a terrible plan and I should go to the drawing board and figure out if there was a way to keep her in the story. And so, so yeah, so I kind of did some brainstorming and this idea of having her become the ship's personality. I don't know, you know, exactly how the idea came, but as soon as I had, I was like, well, that's brilliant. And she would hate that. So that oh, and I love her reaction so much. <laughs> So Iko, she's like, I'm gargantuan. Yeah. Uh, and then Thorne calling her gorgeous. She's like, am I really gorgeous? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I so badly want Iko to be, like, just my best friend. I, I just want to, like, text her and hang out with her and stuff like I that. Know. So thank you to your editor for saving her. <laughs> I know. I know. We all owe her a debt for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think she's a pretty big fan favorite. My so favorite to write, too. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love her character so much. And we're spoiler free, but I just, her character development later on, I don't think is too big of a spoiler, but uh, it's great. And so everyone listening, we get to look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, there's more, so much more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so page 114, this is the first mention of the word alpha, which will later become synonymous with Scarlet and Wolf's adoration for each other. Uh, yeah important this little detail <laughs> is that when she's when scarlet is researching wolves is that the first no, time you that is when zayev is explaining to her what an alpha and a beta is oh okay so it's okay. probably around the same episode where we had uh beta bob which i think i talked to you about who beta bob was no i don't remember beta bob so Marissa and, and Katie from M&K Talk YA, they came on an episode with me when Scarlett and Wolf were in the opera house. And Katie went on this little tangent about the can the candles in the opera house. She's like, you know, somebody had to go light all those Ooh, candles. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so we hypothesized that it was, they made Omega Bob go light all the candles and then <laughs> All the alphas came behind him and kept blowing them out, and he had to keep relighting them. So that's a little headcanon now that I think is really funny, just picturing <laughs> poor Omega Bob having to light hundreds of candles in this opera house. Yeah. He just does not get the, re the respect that he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Page 118, he tells her that he's a part of a cult that is more like a gang, which mm -hmm. is actually a lie. He's pretending that he's I revealing think. to her this big thing, but he's actually a lunar special ops. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, the the, the operatives, they are sort of cult-like in their own way. But, yeah. but yeah, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah, especially in terms of, like, their um, their hierarchy and how 
seriously they take the wolf stuff definitely very cult-like yeah but a lot of it of course has to do with you know being lunar and the control of the thaumaturges and the bioengineering and all of it but yeah so much research i imagine went into some of this stuff (laughs) much research Scarlet is hell-bent that Grandma does not know anything, and they should not be questioning her. She's just an innocent farm lady. But that is not true. We later find out she knows all kinds of stuff. She knows everything. <laughs> not everything, but she knows so much. She's all-knowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, she's pretty badass. I loved Michelle. You didn't get very much Michelle screen time, but she, she was one of my favorite queer characters, just knowing think, her history and everything. I think even just... We see a lot of her in Scarlet, I think. I think pretty much every time Scarlet has a tough girl moment, it's like, that's Michelle in her. Yeah, yeah no, she that. totally, totally takes after her. Page 124, Wolf's, do you think it has anything to do with her time in the military? And Scarlet says, no, she never did anything fun in the military. She was just this uh, commander. She didn't do anything. But actually, she was a part of a secret mission to the moon, and that's where she met Scarlet's grandfather, Creating the relationship that eventually brought Celine to Earth. Yep. All true. Scarlet has no idea. Poor Scarlet. We talked about that a lot, how, like, you don't really know people like your grandparents. Like, you know them as grandparents, but they were, they had, like, 50 years of experiences before you were even born. Yeah. That people I often forget about. It is. It's, it's strange to think about grandparents. It's- so page 128, Scarlet's dad was convinced that there was something hidden on the farm and he just couldn't find it. Scarlet was convinced that no such thing exists. We find out that it so many things existed in this tiny uh, hidden room. Underground bunker. Yeah, yeah. So in her father, he didn't have any more real information than Scarlet. Um, but... Something I, I imagine that something that the special operatives said to him convinced him that, oh, my mother really was hiding something. Um, and so that's part of the reason why he, you know, was convinced that, yeah, there is something here. But he didn't and, know what it was. And he was a little delirious from torture. And we later find out he was drugged. And then we know he had a preference for alcohol. So that didn't help. Uh yeah. Oh, this one I can say, because when this comes out, we will have already done chapter one of Crest and chapter two and three of Crest. So page 150, uh, they mentioned some girl who programmed this chip. That is actually Crest, who's Mm. hinted at in book one. We first meet her in book one, but there's no indication when we meet her in this paragraph that she will become a major character that even gets her own book. Yeah. And I love all those little hints about Cress throughout <laughs> book one and two, because I love Cress so much. Cress is so close to my heart, because I am also a hopeless romantic who's crazy, awkward, and just wants to have friends. No, uh, I know, me too. Uh, yeah, no, and I knew, I mean, I had the plots of the books fairly well figured out, um, and so I knew, of course, who Cress was and what, kind of what her story was going to be and how it was going to tie into the other books. Um, there was a part of me that was a little worried with the scenes that happen in Cinder where, you know, Cinder talks to her through this chip. It seems kind of out of left field. And, you know, there's this really important conversation that happens. And that's kind of the catalyst that then sends Cinder off to the ball and everything else that happens at the end of Cinder. 
uh, is because of this conversation with Cress. But it seems so random, this character that you haven't met and you had no idea existed. And there she is for like two pages and then she's gone. <laughs> uh, and then, so I was worried that it would seem contrived in some way, but I just wanted to be like, but it's not, it'll become important. She's really important. <laughs> it's also here. unique because with Cinder, we didn't get a physical description of Cinder until I think it was chapter 31. 30, it might've been chapter 30, but it might've been chapter 31. That's the first time we got a real physical description of what Cinder looked like. And Scarlet, other than the hair was, little bit closer to the middle of the book and Cress we get before she even has a book we know what she looks like which I think is great because with the other two you kind of get to insert your own opinions about what they look like and then find out later if those are true or not but with Cress it's like wait who's this girl oh I, <laughs> I gotta go look at Cinder and see what that description was what chapter was that in yeah. uh, and so it's great because that's like this giant easter egg about this one tiny little character that you think will never show up again yeah. Yeah. I remember after the book came out, people started asking me, like, was it intentional that you never described Cinder and that you gave us so little information about what she looked like physically? And I didn't realize that I hadn't described her because I felt like I could see her so clearly. I knew exactly what she looked like. And so it just wasn't I don't know. I just forgot. I guess. I forgot. <laughs> but I didn't realize until afterwards. And People started commenting on that, and I was like, oh, oops, I guess I should maybe put that in the next book somewhere. <laughs> so, Sorn, he is not happy to find out that Cinder, who made him cut out his ID chip, has one stashed away in her calf, and she says that it's not a concern. It was my, my poor baby sister, Peony, and she's not with us anymore. But it turns out it is a concern, because Adrie gives that information to Kai, which is eventually how they track down oh. Thor and Cinder and Aiko. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dream ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of the favorite characters to hate on the podcast. We just want yeah. more out of her. <laughs> I know. I know. She is awful. I, I do have a lot of sympathy for her, though. Um, her life didn't turn out anything like she thought it was going to turn out which doesn't justify how awful she is. But nevertheless, I kind of, I feel for her in some ways. It doesn't necessarily justify it, but I think it explains it. Yeah. Chapter 16, Wolf and Scarlet are about to board a train and Scarlet starts pointing out all the people she sees. And one of them is a man in a suit who a few pages later turns out to be Ran. Mm. And Wolf smells her and is like, you stink. And then, like, a couple <laughs> chapters later, it turns out it's because he could smell Rand on her, her red hoodie. Mm-hmm. Yes, all true. All accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Wolf knows that Rand is on the train. This is not necessarily an Easter egg. I think this is one that my Patreon members were like, this is just you speculating a lot. But, like, Wolf knew that Rand was on the train, and he could smell Scarlet, and he still never told her anything. <laughs> yeah, because I think, and honestly, maybe you're right. I'd have to go back and read it because I'm not really sure. Um, but I think that he knew that Rand was following them, um, but I don't think he realized that Rand actually got on the train because he would not want Scarlet to go talk to him. 
because it would be too risky that Rand would give something away. Yeah, and Rand is dangerous and untrustworthy. Well, and that too. (laughs) (laughs) So the other one is that Rand's talon-sharp fingernails are an indication that he is a member of the pack. Yeah. Wolf is hesitant to give a blood sample because I think that's to indicate that he's... He has a horrible fear of needles from all of the surgeries that they put him through. Okay, so I was wondering about that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily an Easter egg or if it's just me remembering it. Yeah, uh, no, to me that's an Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> Page 208, Chapter 20, Wolf says he hasn't spoken to his parents because the gang does not allow it. Uh, but actually, he was taken from his family when he was 12, and he has not seen them since, so he hasn't even had the opportunity to if he wanted to. Yep, true. Kind of true, the, the gang so to speak, um, does not allow him to have communication with his family. Chapter 21, Scarlet asks if she is the assignment, and Wolf says no. Liar! I wrote in my <laughs> notes in big capital letters, Sib, with an exclamation <laughs> point. Wolf says he is a lowly errand boy, which is another fib. He is actually a high-ranking alpha, mm-hmm. not an errand boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should wrap it up but i'll just plan on coming on at the end of each book (laughs) that would be amazing yeah no i think that sounds like a great plan so i did want to ask you lightning round questions do you have time for those okay yeah they're ones that i took from your show Um, (laughs) so what are you currently reading what am i currently reading i am reading you should see me in a crown by leah johnson um did i get her name right hold on yes leah johnson and because she's going to be a podcast guest uh, here in a couple of weeks, I don't know when this episode's going to publish. Um, and it's super, super cute. It's this like really nerdy, anxious girl who needs to become prom queen in order to win a scholarship. Um, and it's the prom in the town, like her high school that she goes to, everyone all they care about is prom and it's this huge deal. It's so over the top and hysterical and I'm really loving it. I'm so excited to talk to her. So this comes out August 3rd. Um, okay. So I think the episode with Leia will be up by then. Okay. So everyone go check that out and then you can check out the book as well. (laughs) What book makes you happy? Lots of books make me happy. Um, (laughs) Fiction, Pride and Prejudice. Yay! My favorite book of all time. It's my my happy comfort book. Um, but there is also a nonfiction book. I believe the title is Joyful, and the subtitle is something like like uh, the surprising joy found in everyday objects, or something like that, and. It's such a good book and kind of an unusual book, but she, the writer pretty much just like talks about the aesthetics of different things and why there are some things that just spark universal joy and things like balloons and confetti and rainbows and like, why, why do these things make us happy? And so she really kind of dives into um, some of the psychology behind it. And it was just really interesting and it made me look around the world like just give me a totally different perspective about the way that I was looking at things and 
like my home and things that I choose to put in my home and why are they making me happy? And yeah, it was just, it was fascinating and just made me very joyful to read. I really want to take the time to look at stuff now. (laughs) Yeah, it's fascinating. It's so interesting. What do you do to celebrate an accomplishment? Um, so why I have two, gosh, I had two traditions. I can't do any of them during COVID, which is annoying. (laughs) Um, but historically, whenever I finish a draft of a book, which is the, like I will, when a book comes out, I'll usually try to find time to maybe have a glass of champagne or something. Um, but for me, the big time to celebrate is when I turn in a new draft or when I actually finish a manuscript. Um, and so my two traditions, one is that I will go to this really, really cute tea house um, that's in Sumner. Uh, so about 20 minute drive for me. And it's like this in this Victorian mansion. And they do the whole where they bring out the tier of like cucumber sandwiches and scones and, you know, tiny little pedophores. Um, and I will just sit there for hours and hours and drink tea and read a book. Um, and then the other thing is to go see a movie in the theaters uh, by myself. And I try to pick a movie that's been out for a long time. And so there's been a number of times where I go like at the 11 o'clock Tuesday showing and mm-hmm. I am literally the only person in the theater. And so it's like having this entire screen all to myself, which is very fun. That does sound fun. How do you fill the creative well? Lots of reading. Uh, <laughs> reading is very inspiring. Um, and watching documentaries. I love documentaries. And that's one of the, I feel like I've gotten a ton of story ideas from watching documentaries over the years. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, just doing things. I love new experiences. Like I'm one of those people, I don't really have a lot of hobbies, but I love trying new things, whether that's uh, trying snowshoeing or I've taken a painting class or I'll, um, we've gone down, gone on a hot air balloon. And I mean, just like all sorts of random things. I just love, I want to experience as much as life has to offer. So is, I, I always try to find ways to go and do things that I've never done before. I think that's a hobby trying to <laughs> Seek out new adventures. That's a hobby. My hobby is to try lots of different hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I added my own question of what music inspires you. Mm, it depends on the book. Um, I do create playlists for each of my books, and each of them has been pretty different. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I personally listen to a lot of, um, classic rock, uh, Beatles and David Bowie and Led Zeppelin and kind of that era of music. Uh, and then I grew up in the nineties and early two thousands. So lots of kind of alternative rock music from that time period. Um, but I don't know, as far as actually inspiring me, it totally depends on the book. And sometimes you just find a song that for whatever reason, speaks to that story or speaks to those characters and I'll just like listen to it on repeat. One of these days I should send you, so you don't name chapter titles in your books. So one of the um, segments that I started doing was picking a song to name the chapter after. Oh, interesting. So now there's a whole Spotify playlist of the chapter names for Scarlet. And I will warn, uh, warn you that a lot of them are Taylor Swift, but 
<laughs> she just writes so many songs. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Tell me at least one of them is Little Red Riding Hood by Sam Machamp. I don't think it is. Oh, come on. <laughs> I... Yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, it would apply to like one of the chapters where Scarlet and Wolf are traveling to Paris together, I think. Yes, I think so, too. Or where they're in the forest with Rand. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to remember if it is, but I don't think, uh, I, I honestly don't think it ever came up. And now I feel like it was a big missed opportunity. <laughs> so the last one is where can people find you and the Happy Writer Podcast? Well, thank you. Uh, Mostly I'm on Instagram is my social media of choice. Um, And so at Marissa Meyer author or at Happy Writer Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. This was very exciting, very surreal. I'm so glad I get the opportunity to, to talk to you and to know you a little better and that you like that I have a podcast and it's not crazy. Oh, I'm super flattered. I think it's awesome. I, I hope your listeners all get a kick out of my (laughs) <laughs> my Easter eggs slash not so much Easter eggs. <laughs> I think a good portion of the Easter eggs say, this isn't really an Easter egg, but comma. <laughs> it would be interesting and it'll probably never happen. But if I ever have reason to go back and read the books, I will try to highlight and and record with ones like, I remember specifically this was hinting at something to come. <laughs> but if you did, that would be absolutely amazing. We're not going to get done with the Lunar Chronicles until I think 2023 because I'm including I'm including Stars Above the graphic novels and then of course the short story of COVID 128. So uh, you've got plenty of time if you <laughs> if you ever want to do a a reread of your own stuff you could do like a page a day probably and at that at that rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for writers, it's just not really fun reading our own work. I it's, totally yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, I think you used the word cringy the first time I talked to you. Oh, I know. It's impossible not to think of the things that you would change and do differently now. I feel like that when I listen to podcasts sometimes, like, man, I said the word um like a thousand times. Oh, I know. <laughs> Doing my own editing, I'm constantly taking out my um. <laughs> I really sound like that. <laughs> yeah, I try to do that a lot, too. I had somebody message me a while back saying that they were going to turn it into a drinking game. <laughs> but apparently it was enough that people noticed it and they were like, this is going to be a drinking game if she doesn't stop saying it. But I think I've stopped now. That's funny. <laughs> And by the way, you should probably come up with a Lunar Chronicles drinking game. Based on the things that we count in the books. Oh, I don't think you know about that. Uh-oh. So I count, we try to pick something to count for each book. Uh, for Cinder, it was how many times the word gloves was mentioned. Oh, okay. Which I, believe, <laughs> I, I think it was 176 times it was mentioned. It might be 178. Okay. Um, for Scarlet, it was tomatoes and captain. Uh, <laughs> for Cress, we decided it would be the word hair. Okay. So, which in the first chapter is mentioned 16 times. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's got to taper off, but definitely a lot in the early scene. Yeah. So some of them, it's like a little, you, you would definitely need to make sure you had a safe ride or that you were already at home. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first chapter. I don't remember anything afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so big thank you for coming on again. I hope to be able to work with you again in the future. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Happy Writer Podcast and, of course, the Prince Kai Fan Pod. And stay happy, stay safe, and until next time, don't get glamored. <laughs>
Bye. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's guest was best-selling author Marissa Meyer, who is also the host of the Happy Writer podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.